Hey, super excited to be with you right now. Uh, welcome to Conversations in the Round. I'm joined by Gary Treichler on my left, your right. That's Pastor Gary. This is Pastor Justin subbing in at the last minute. We got him off waivers. I'll tell you about that in a second. And uh, Pastor Chris, who's going to do most of the facilitation today. Uh, these have been great, great forums. And uh, we've gotten good feedback from you. Um, we expect it to change up a little uh, as we go forward, but uh, for now, we're enjoying these opportunities to see be a, a little bit more, um, I don't know what you call it, uh, less prepared. <laughs> I, I don't want to make it seem like we're not prepared, but a, 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 maybe a, less, a little less formal. Uh, you get to see some more raw dialogue, but we're excited about it. We got three agenda items today. Uh, we're going to look back to the week past and, and clean up a little bit of what got started in the first week. I was uh, talking about how the, the movement of God, the church of God, the kingdom of God is four things. It's organic, it's gospel-centric, it's urban, and it's uh, extremely helpful or very helpful or practically helpful. Some modifier of you know, extensively helpful. Uh, that's the, you know, the, the scripture that we've been looking at, Acts chapter 9 says, the whole city was full of joy. Not just the believers in the city, but the city was full of joy. Why? Because the believers had been extremely helpful. So we want to talk about that a little bit, not too much, because we want to get to the, sort of the core of uh, this conversation, which is rooted, uh, the study. Um, super excited about it. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Gary's been uh, in control and command of that um, uh, movement, that initiative, and he's done an excellent job uh, communicating what it's about, getting people involved, uh, leading the team that's behind it all. And we've got like, uh, what's the numbers right now? Over 200 are involved and in, uh, probably over 20 different groups. And it's, I don't know if we've seen that kind of a push for... Yeah. You know, groups, and it's uh, exciting. very exciting, very exciting. Lots of people, some, that, some have been in groups forever, some first time. Uh, it's a pretty big deal. And these are, these are hard times. <laughs> Pray for the group leaders. I think about uh, everything that's going on in the world and what's got us, you know, wrapped around the axle. Everybody's coming from these surprisingly different angles. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing sides of people I didn't, I didn't know they had. Right. Um, in some cases, I wish they didn't have. It's been it's it's challenging. We're all, we're all over, like you would say, we're all over the sap works. But uh, we are. Uh, that's a challenging place to lead right now. It really is. So I'm praying for you, leaders. Uh, what I'm excited about is that the study is rock solid mm -hmm. gospel, God, Jesus, and it's 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 what we need. Mm -hmm. It's what we need as a church. Um, is it fair to say that we've gotten comfortable as a church prior to the pandemic doing what we do, being what we were, and maybe not being as effective as we could be? Yeah, I never know what a defining moment is for God, but my hope and my prayer is that maybe five years, ten years down the road, we look back and we say, do you remember the pandemic? Yeah. And mm -hmm. do you remember when we looked at the basics of the Christian faith yeah. and we got better and better to be God's personal ambassador to the world. And I'm hoping, you know, that mm -hmm. we can look back and say, this was a really, really interesting time. Yeah. 
and perhaps a defining moment as a church as a whole. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I, um, I tend to give a lot of options. You know, we've always talked about there's so many different options for you to choose from when you're thinking about a tool for evangelism. You got the Roman road, or you got this, or you got that. You know, you got the four, what's Graham's, the four? Four laws? The four laws. Four spiritual laws. Four spiritual laws. There's so many of them. We've always pointed people like, use one, Mm -hmm. which means nothing, really. (laughs) When when you're that broad, it's like people just need something. And um, uh, did you find, did you come across this? Study the rooted study. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can couple, take all the credit right now. Well, yeah. well. <laughs> a couple. What was it? A couple years ago. Yeah. Has it yeah. been that long? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, as as with any uh, community that's that's seeking to to follow Jesus, I mean, there are these foundational things that um, each of us need to have some working knowledge of. To the extent that um, we can, we can begin to to live that out as a disciple of Jesus. And and in, in your message last week, um, you spoke to these four areas in which, you know, we're pointing as a church. And though though we came across rooted two years ago, and uh, we engaged it as a staff team. Yeah, we went through it. We went through like a pilot process, and and. And looked at it for for whatever reason, God at that time didn't get the dots connected for us. Yeah, you know, we had talked about making it an all church initiative, mm-hmm. rolling it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but fast forward to all the things that transpired in 2020, uh, and we're going to be thinking and processing about what are those defining moments. Um, and I wonder at times, uh, are we are we being defined well in mm-hmm. a positive light? Are we being defined in a negative light? Yeah. But one of the things that came to fruition is this, this sudden revisitation of rooted as a foundational doctrinal curriculum right. that we could travel through together. Yeah. And um, Gary just grabbed it, championed it. Where'd you he, find it? Well, uh, I was thinking about the other day. And, and I know I was, it came out of Africa it, originally, it which I love. There's a church in Kenya. Uh, unassociated with well, our, it's in Nairobi. In Nairobi, yeah. yeah. Not associated with our relationships there. I think it's Mavuno Church. It's actually. called Nairobi Chapel, isn't it? Um, yeah, it, maybe Mavuno is the location of it. But uh, Mazizi, which is the the Swahili word for roots, mm-hmm. uh, even in that context, they realized that the people of God everywhere, anytime, yeah. there are these foundational roots to our faith from which the fruit and, and labor of our life should grow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they pulled together this foundational yeah. curriculum yeah. and it made its way over the ocean and, and uh, eventually made its way in, into our space. It's a pretty so. collaborative effort. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that. It was only just recently that I was looking to who wrote it and there's a, a whole bunch of people that were involved in the, you know, the creation of this study. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. It's not just yeah. really just even just one church. but Yeah, I mean, what's great is even though it has its own branding, if I could put it that way, the, the content is not somehow exclusive to this study. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think any study that is seeking to develop and mature the life of a disciple, you're going to find these foundational elements in it, yeah. which is part of why we're so excited. I mean, we, we talked a little bit, um, whether it's through Sunday morning messaging or just internal dialogue for staff team, or even just in, in some previous conversations in the round, we've talked about one of the things that was exposed in the midst of the pandemic 
is uh, we have some work to do around our equipping. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we have a deep value for equipping and sending the people of God out into our city and communities. And, and those foundational pieces, though they've always been important, we would never say they aren't important. Yeah. Um, it, suddenly the, the value became very elevated, if I could put it yeah. that way. Um, I don't, I don't want to backtrack too much, but I do want to revisit some things you said uh, this past Sunday. And, and the word organic, yeah. you know, your, your first point, yeah. it, it jumps out to me because over 10 years ago, I started hearing that term. Yeah. And that term, the word organic, it, it keeps reemerging now. It's all over our food industry. Yeah. It's, just, it's a <laughs> it's lifestyle. It's kind of tired, actually. I was... I was uh, I went back and forth about what to say instead. If I look up organic in this the source, there's not a whole heck of a lot else there. Yeah. Grassroots is about your only other option. Naturally yeah. growing. Uh, but I think it's a great term. It's a good word. To, to capture really what is the life of not just the church, but the, the people within the church yeah. or the community of God as an organism. Yeah. And it, what's, what's interesting to me is more often than not, when people talk about what's organic, it's this loosey-goosey. Yeah. But mm -hmm. if you think about an organism, clearly there is a structure to it. There is a place. And yeah. when you think about us being described as the body of Christ and Christ is our head, we each have a role to play in yeah. this organism, the body of Christ, that, that lives out in this organic That's right. way. That's right. Um, I was just wondering if you could unpack yep. that a little bit, maybe give some yep. concrete examples Love of to. how you'd see that play out in someone's life. Yeah, be more than happy to. There was a whole bunch of stuff I meant to say on Sunday morning that I didn't. Uh, and so this is going to be fun for me. I don't have to prepare. It's all sitting right there. But before I do that, I was midstream of what the three elements of today are, and we went off on the rooted tangent. I did. So we're going to look back a little bit. Last week, we're going to talk about rooted. We're going to talk about week two, right? That's what you're waiting for. Those that are doing the study uh, are looking at this uh, second chapter. It's just called God. How about that for a big yep. uh, title? <laughs> Let's study God. Yeah. Uh, and in then third, it was that in, one, in week. one week, right? Knock it out. And then uh, third, we do want to start to talk about the challenges that we face as a nation. Like, what do we do as a church? What do we do as Christians? So we want to hit that too. Uh, so we'll hit those three things. Organic. Here's the thing that I didn't say on Sunday morning is part of the reason it's, uh, you can imagine it's organic because we're, we're spirit-filled, spirit-empowered body of Christ, right? Everybody, I was reading, uh, one of my favorite devotional um, writers is Chris uh, Tigreen, and he said, imagine yourself sitting, standing, whatever, talking to Jesus. You're talking to Jesus, and he steps close to you, maybe even uncomfortably close, and he gets even closer, and then suddenly he's like literally in your face, and then he goes right into you. Hmm turns around, sticks his arms into your arms, his legs into your legs, his eyes into your eyes, and now he says, go. Huh. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's what it is to be clothed with Christ, to be spirit-filled, yeah. right? So uh, try, to imagine, try to imagine your life if that was true. As a Christian, it is true. Mm. Try to imagine right. what it's like to live life 
um, as the embodiment of Jesus. It's a spirit-filled life. That's pretty organic. That's me going to the grocery store. That's me serving my family. That's me going to work with Jesus in me. How much more organic could you possibly get, right? It's like all the different opportunities for the Spirit of God to move in this world are countless when you start thinking about the individual people that are doing that. And then you think they, they band together as churches to be a mutual encouragement, to equip one another, uh, to do things like the Rooted Study, and you've got this massive army for God, this family for Christ, this um, body out there like, like water in the world. That, that's what we mean more organic. But in Acts chapter 9, um, we see everyone scatters because of this, the, martyr, the, martyr, the martyrdom of Stephen. The mm-hmm. persecution goes, comes into play, and everyone's scattered. It says everyone left. Everyone was scattered except the apostles stayed. And then here's what's kind of cool is as they're out there being the feet and the hands of Jesus in the world in all these different places and all these different spaces, none of which were designed, pre-designed. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an organized kind of a thing. You, the word scattered is used. That doesn't right. give you the sense of organized you know, expansion. It's scattered. And it's the way we are today. We're, we're scattered with the spirit of God within us. Nonetheless, when the gospel took root, when they said the, the Samaritans received the gospel, the apostles went hmm. and provided some affirmation, some mm-hmm. verification that it was the actual gospel was fully understood. So these apostles, they walked with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. Mm-hmm. They knew the gospel better than anybody else. Now, there's a whole bunch of people that have accepted that word and go, but they didn't have that kind of experience. Right. So there was order, even in a sense, unity. They brought unity, affirmation, order to it because they went and they affirmed that this is the gospel. They knew full well that the Spirit of God would do what the Spirit of God does, and it would be true and right mm-hmm. and good and beautiful if we were obedient. Nonetheless, the apostles, for us, are, it's our elders, you know, which mm-hmm. I, I wish we could say that they've been appointed all the way back, you know, <laughs> elder to elder to elder. Ideally, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Every elder that I've been a part of has been prayed into being by another elder. Mm-hmm. The elders of this church were prayed into being mm-hmm. by the elders of the previous mm-hmm. church where we were planted from and vice versa. So there is this thing. And in our constitution, our basic document, as a, a, you know, organizing document as a church vista, literally says to, that the elders are to do exactly what it says in Acts chapter 9. That they are to affirm that the gospel is being obeyed and lived out and understood Mm -hmm. in the church. Their primary responsibility is the same thing those apostles did. Those apostles provide provided structure. Our elders provide and verify and affirm, and our elders do the same. Our leadership does the same. But how the gospel works itself out in the lives of people is pick a word on the ground, mm-hmm. organic, organic, grassroots, in the gym, on the field, in the company, right. in the family. That's organic. So let, let me ask you this. I heard a couple of terms in the midst of what you're talking about as, as evidence of what is organic. I heard scattered. Right. Um, uh, I didn't hear you say the word identity, but several things you were talking about 
it, is it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, in order to live out the organic nature of what it is to follow Jesus wherever you're sent, there's, there's an issue of identity. What is your identity? And if you take on or assume the right identity, if I could put it in those terms, mm-hmm. it results in this participation of a scattering of the church. And, and that's, that's one of the hallmarks of the organic Christian church. I uh, recently heard a sermon um, from Tim Keller, of course, because he's extremely yeah. smart. Yep. And the one thing that jumped out uh, to me was he gave some statistics about where the world populations of the major religions live. And all the major religions, the, the lion's share of the population, anywhere between 80 to 90% of the population, population lives geographically centric to where it originated. So, for example, uh, the nation of Islam, the, 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 the Muslim religion, most of the people who practice that system of faith, they are geographically living yeah. in, in close to the origin of where they came from. Hmm. Christianity is the only religion globally that is scattered. Yeah. In fact, the United States only represents 12% mm-hmm. of the global population of the Christian church. It's a fascinating juxtaposition yeah. to the rest of right. the world. Yeah. And it lines right up with what you yeah. just said. Yeah, completely organic. That's right. Back to um, identity, right? The identity. Uh, but did you want to chime into that? Well, as you were saying that, I was just mm-hmm. thinking that that is what the Apostle Paul was doing in almost every one of his letters, right? As he's, uh, he's writing to these scattered believers in different churches, uh, in different parts of the world, uh, but he's always reminding them of their identity. Mm-hmm. And, and as an apostle, he's calling out, okay, your identity is this, but you're sort of acting like this, so we're going to address this right. little thing, but this is who you are, and here, here's why, and this is what Christ did for you, and now you have this identity, so act in that way. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, that's always been a part of it. Yeah, I go back to um, Thomas when Jesus says, you know, Jesus says to him, you know, follow me. And he says, we don't know where you're going. How are we supposed to follow you? And Jesus goes into that great little mini sermon about how I am. If you're with Mm. me, I I am the way. It's not like we're going somewhere or on a journey. We are. But to be with me, I'm it. Mm -hmm. I I am your identity. You hold on to to me. So when I think about identity, it comes down to things like um, uh, we're forgiven, Mm-hmm. because of Christ, not only once, but ongoing, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, there's a peace in John 20 where he says, um, peace be with you, and um, as the Father sent me, I send you. Mm-hmm. But first he says, remember, you're people of peace, mm-hmm. you're forgiven people, um, your whole life comes from me. Mm-hmm. So be be with me, be yep. in my presence, and and you've arrived, and then together we we go. But your identity always comes back to this Christ, which is challenging because we get our identities from. Oh my gosh, what don't we get our identity from? Right. You know, people mm-hmm. people are constantly even want to identify you with something. Like people, they they know I drink Dr Pepper, so. <laughs> that's part of my that's literally part of my identity for people oh he's a, he drinks this or he drinks that he wears that or he he hangs out in that crowd yeah. or he works out mm-hmm. there or he believes that or he's a, you know he's in this political per- persuasion or he's a an adoptive parent or he's an, she's adopted and it's like oh my gosh yeah. there's just so many things 
And Paul, again and again, is that you cannot gravitate away from the basic understanding that you're mine. Mm -hmm. Your identity is you're mine. And we're going to be together as a result of my work forever. Mm -hmm. Just being together, us. So you've got this identity that you have to stay rooted in as we go out organically, you know, we've got the gospel at the center of it all, this forgiveness, this work that Jesus has done. Where Acts chapter 9 goes next is in this, I want to make this as brief as possible, this urban context. It, it, is, it is pretty difficult to find the historic church burgeoning, happening, being reestablished in another place other than in Mm. cities. Mm. And that's what Paul did. Um, uh, the Spirit yeah. of God said, go and preach the gospel to Macedonia, mm-hmm. which is a region. That'd be like saying the Midwest. Right. Right? And he didn't go to the Midwest. He went to the, to stretch the metaphor, the biggest city in the Midwest, in Mesopotamia. Yeah. And he planted the gospel there and then left because he knew if it takes root in the biggest city, right. it will get its way out to the, to the outlands and to the, to the rural parts of the world. That's, that's, that's how it's always worked. And it's still that way today. People are educated in the city. Mm-hmm. They, uh, everything comes from there. The, the businesses, the big businesses start in the city. That's where it all happens. 50% of our population lives in urban centers. Mm-hmm. And I think the projections is it's 65% in the mm-hmm. next 20 to 30 years. Yep. It's only going to grow. So the Bible continually presses us to be engaged with and leveraging city for the gospel. If you, if you, if you plant the gospel in a suburb or in a town or a village, it takes root. It, it'll, that, it, that's as far as it'll go. Hmm. If you do it in the city, it'll actually get out to those as people get done with school, as the businesses flourishes, as things happen, it'll go, it'll go out there. So if you can get it done in the city. The other thing is the towns and villages are only connected maybe to another town or village mm-hmm. around them. And they might be connected to the city a little bit. But cities are connected to other cities, and cities are also oftentimes connected globally. So the city puts you in this situation where you can affect the surrounding areas, mm-hmm. and you're connected with the broader move of God in other cities and even globally. So cities are huge. Hey, Chris, can you talk a little bit about your heart for the city? You've given me a book or two to read, but you've always had a heart for the city. Talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that. Um, I was once asked why. You know, why, why do you care about the city so much? And uh, uh, being asked that question revealed I kind of didn't know why at the time. It's just um, something that was just on my heart and mind. But since that time, uh, it's interesting, as Mike was saying, when you look into Scripture, the, the concept of the city becomes unavoidable. Uh, in Genesis 4, you see this reference to a city that's being built uh, not in a positive light. And then all the way through Revelation 21, there's this revisitation of, of the city. It's like, um, you know, one of the things I, I noticed in Scripture was uh, Jesus wept twice that we know of. Mm. Once was at the tomb of Lazarus, and once was uh, during the triumphal entry into the, the city of Jerusalem. 
In the garden, and, and, unless unless you don't count bleeding from your yeah. pores, D- different kind of crying. But um, I realized that I don't mean to make light of that. I mean he was literally we- yeah. weeping, but it was drops of blood yeah. because of the enormity of it. But yeah, the Lazarus, Jesus wept. That's John eleven thirty five. I think it's one of the first Bible verses I ever memorized. Yeah, so I mean, there's a fair bit of mystery to it, and it, it gets into the question of who is God. There's always a mystery wrapped up in there, but there is something about the city. It's not just, uh, you know, oftentimes we think about geography, you know, um, and that's part of it for sure. There is a geography to engaging the city or what it it means to be a Christian in the city. Um, But there is a conceptual piece to it as well because of culturally, societally, what emanates out of the city center. That's exactly right. Um, And and influence is a big word in that space. Mm. There is tons of influence that is shaped in and emanates out of the city. Well, we as, as the people of God, we represent a different government, a different city, the city of God. There is an influence that we should be bringing to bear into this landscape of the city that, yeah. that, that we live in. And so it, this question of who is God in the midst of this, who are we in relation to God, identity is huge. Um, the observation of identity, I mean, Gary, um, you're actually one of uh, my identity heroes, if I could put it that way. I tend to use the word Yoda for things. But, <laughs> but one of the things that helps inform who is God is when you see the values of God playing out in the life of, of fellow believers, in the life of his body. And um, you have helped me understand the value of community, for example, as one expression of what God values and what he desires for us, and it informs our identity and informs our mission and our practice, we can go into this massive thing called the city, but we're not going to reach people through that platform. We're going to reach them in the context of relationship and trust and community. Uh, And being an introvert, um, if it were my choice, I I would never be in a small group, but being able to observe that value... uh, that has become a value of mine yeah. as well. So I, I, we're going to get into that, I'm sure, when we talk more about the community and, and what Rooted represents in that space. But um, um, to answer the question of why the city, it's, it's still a developing thing for me. But um, yeah. yeah, it's definitely part of the future. Yeah, and then it begs the question, we're, we're a suburban church. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well... Are we out of place? So do, we, do, we, do we put our church, do we put a build, we buy a building downtown? Do we all move downtown? Uh, what do we do about that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, this is, again, I think a product of our sort of Western sensibilities of independence. Like, we, we tend to be very independent-minded. It's like, mm-hmm. well, we are not a city church. What do you mean, we? Who, what we are you talking about? We are the body of Christ. We are one body. So the Christian that's downtown is the same part of the, is in the same church that we're in. Right. So my view on that is no, we don't. We this is where we are. This is this is where we live. This is who our friend groups are. This is who we're ministering to. This is where the gospel is very practical for those of us that live in the suburb. The only problem is we are disconnected with our brothers and sisters that are in the city mm-hmm. that are in this very influential space in a place that could be highly leveraged. Mm -hmm. All we really need to do is figure out how to be connected with one another. It's the same idea with the the partnerships we've built in overseas. 
Mm-hmm. It's like, no one's saying you should move over there. It's fine if you do. But we are a better church. We are a different church. We're, uh, we understand and see God more clearly because right. of our global connections with those brothers and sisters. Same thing with the city. Mm-hmm. There's people down in the city doing the, doing the stuff. We just need to be connected. So that's really the, the, what's behind our uh, intention to partner yeah. uh, is to become a broader, uh, connected, unified church that's covering the whole region. Mm-hmm. One thing I've appreciated about Todd Heath, and he taught us uh, that when you see you in the Bible, it's not you. It's you, the community. And when you think it's not just Vista, yeah. it's the community of all of the believers and yeah. that we're all connected and we need to look at it that way rather than just us. Right. Right. So, so you've got, we, we, we want to be like the first church um, in terms of or, organic uh, we want to be like the first church uh, in terms of identity and being gospel-centric. We want to be the, like the first church that was concerned about and leveraging the city and urban. And um, I think we probably don't have to go into this last one as much as the others because I, I think we've tried to be practical. We've tried to be helpful mm-hmm. as, a, as a body of believers. But um, I think the thing we'll have to learn about is uh, what it really means to be helpful. Like, we've learned a lot globally about what's not helpful. Mm-hmm. Missions became very unhelpful, really. Global missions, the things that we, were, that we felt great about doing right. overseas wasn't really helpful for them. Yeah. We run the same risk of trying to be helpful in the city um, and not being helpful. So to partner and to allow those folks that have been serving in the city to lead us and to teach us mm-hmm. and, uh, and to leverage us to the way we can is, is really more of a posture thing. If we want to be really, really helpful. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, one of the interesting discoveries of, of uh, this past year, at least, at least from my perspective, um, and uh, I see it how it's expressed in Bloom. Uh, I see it how it's expressed in small group community through our partnerships. Uh, it, it's interesting um, how your worldview and what you value is so deeply shaped by the context you live in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this pandemic has revealed, um, and it continues to reveal, you know, it's like the, the, some of the new data that was just released about second wave of job loss and a resurgence of need in our communities. Um, and so we're going to have to take the lessons we've learned as the body of Christ and then continue to apply that. And, and the, the idea of being extremely helpful, very practically helpful. Uh, it's almost like you see a need and, and you want to meet that need, and isn't that the answer? But I almost wonder if it's, there's just layers to it. Like I noticed um, in response to our partnerships downtown with Pastor Brown or, or some other organizations, the bridge or what have you, there was a moving of tangible resources, furniture, what have you, from a family uh, in, in the suburban space and through relationships and partnerships and dialogue, mm-hmm. it made its way to a family or families in an urban space. And what was interesting was, was the reaction to the value of that. On the receiving side, it was enormous. Yeah. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. On the sending or giving side, 
not a big deal. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, they weren't saying it wasn't without value, but there was almost a dismissiveness of being part of this organism yeah. that's, that's in this ecosystem and yeah. moving. No, it's a big deal. Like when, when the people uh, in any church context exercise generosity mm -hmm. and they offer that mm -hmm. to God in worship, and however it's expressed, it makes its way to real-life people on the ground and families. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal. I mean, whoever's watching this, whoever's listening, if you've participated in a story like that, don't dismiss the work of God in and through that. It's a big deal. Yeah, which is what we do. If it's not, if it's not you know, Samaritan's Purse isn't what you did, which is, you know, flying a million <laughs> things around the entire globe <clears throat> with thousands and thousands of volunteers. If it's not like that, well, it's not, it's not that important. It's not that valuable. When, in fact, the organic church, mm -hmm. urban-centered organic church being helpful with the gospel is... Fairly obscure, mm -hmm. but immensely powerful at those levels. You're sitting right at the intersection of something that I would say is extremely powerful that very few people know about it, but the people who do know about it, right. it's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, and as we're talking about partnering with other churches and organizations, isn't that such a good picture of like uh, what it might look like for us to prop up God? Mm -hmm. and, and not that God needs propped up, but you understand what I mean. Like, we're, we're taking ourselves out of the center of the story. Like, right. I, I was the one that fixed all your problems. No, I wasn't. Yeah. I had to work and work with this organization or work with these people or whatever. Uh, and as a result, um, yeah, what's going on with, with Bloom wouldn't happen without other churches' input, without other resourcing uh, from families and uh, people that aren't a part of the church, people that are part of the church. And uh, it's really a, a, a partnered effort that we just get to uh, kind of witness the impact. Yeah, and uh, it's huge. Like, I, yeah. I walk through the, I, I leave the building through the warehouse and pop out into the parking lot right next to the annex. And although I knew what night was it, Thir Thursday night, Thursday night yeah. was the, the, the Bloom Free Store was open, but I was not thinking about it mm -hmm. when I was leaving that night. And I walk out, <laughs> <laughs> the parking lot is jammed, yeah. jammed. And it was an hour, I think, before it yeah. even opened. Yeah. How many, I think you had 60 registered that night, which was your max or something yeah. like that. I don't have the numbers yeah, right. That, but you, you, that night, um, we were able to serve in one way or the other uh, 80 families in about an hour and a half, two hours. And that um, wasn't even all of them. And it wasn't even all you of them. You had to, right, yeah, what we, was that like, having it. to say, I'm sorry? We're right, yeah. Uh, I, I'm trusting that our apology <laughs> uh, actually will help build the relationship, but... Um, yeah, we're even uh, by the time you see this, it will have already happened, but uh, we're going to have another special kind of shopping time for the people that weren't able to come oh, good. Uh, get in the doors last Thursday night. But yeah, um, yeah our, since this thing started, it last April, it's not even a year old, yeah. um, I can safely say we have over 300 families that we've come to know. It's crazy. And in the basic premise, it's nothing more complicated than we're going to provide you diapers yeah. 
for your little for your infant. Right. That's grown a little beyond that. There's other things, yeah. clothes and toys and things like that. But the primary, someone said there were three thousand. Is yeah, three thousand. We gave away over three thousand diapers last week. Like I couldn't. I didn't know if that was like since it started. No, that was just on Thursday night. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's uh, it is. This very this is the reason I turned to you is there's this very basic provision, a very simple, practical help mm-hmm. that is extremely helpful yeah. to hundreds of families. And it's developing its own community, which is really exciting. Uh, folks that we have been able to help are now turning right back around and donating. Yeah. Or they're Helping giving another, other people uh, information about how to find us. Or uh, <clears throat> they're just talking to each other as they're waiting in line or whatever. Yeah. There's this uh, sense of like, yeah, everybody's got needs, so what? Yeah. But we're going to meet them together. Yeah. And that's, uh, we see that as one of the most powerful things in, about the early church as well. Uh, is that we, they sold their stuff and Mm-hmm. No one in their midst had a need, and so, yeah. uh, and as a result, I think it communicates like it communicates the gospel, the the, the purity of uh, God taking care of our ultimate need, uh, and we as ambassadors turn right around and go, okay, you have need, okay, I got the stuff. Here you go. Yeah. Here's Jesus, yeah. or here's a diaper, and yeah. let me tell you about Jesus. Yeah. Or it's a multifaceted help. I've been saying Acts chapter nine. I think it's actually Acts chapter. Eight, now that I think about it, but where Stephen is stoned and then they, they scatter. Um, and when Philip starts doing ministry uh, in Samaria, the help was spiritual as well as physical. Mm-hmm. It's both. So by extremely helpful, we don't mean just broadly helpful, but on multiple layers, mm-hmm. which is what you're seeing. Okay, they have physical help in a diaper. Mm-hmm. They've got relational help as a community builds, and they've got this together. And our hope, again, mm-hmm. is that we can begin to um, introduce them in ways that are spiritually helpful for them as well. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great example of what we hope to see happen. Um, the, the transition here to Rooted is no more complicated than that. I think as a church, we've been helpful. We've been engaged. We've been involved. We've prayed for our neighbors. We've, mm-hmm. we've had this little, this mnemonic, this blessed 10, where we, we're praying for people um, that are in our spheres of influence. Mm-hmm. And we've seen all sorts of stories come from that. They tend to stay on the practical level. There's something practical that's helpful there. And we've not had really the next step there of how do we provide spiritual? How do we introduce them to Jesus? How do we introduce them to the Bible? How do we introduce them to God? And that's what the rooted, I'm hoping, is filling that gap and giving people a very user-friendly, clear uh, not overly theological, systematic theology. Also, you know, none of that. It's just very basic Bible, God, Jesus, Spirit, um, and still challenging. Challenging, right? Causes you to think, um, but it's a but it's a tool. It's a yep. it's a it's a thing that'll help people go. Once we've been through it together, it'll help them go. To, is that the way you see it? What, what do you yeah. see the power of, of, the, of the study? Same kind of stuff? I do. Uh, uh, what's really interesting to me is that it hits our whole community. That Rooted hits the whole community. We have life groups. 
We have small groups. We have neighborhood groups. I, I got a, a message last night from one of the gals that's doing a neighborhood group, and she said, I'm so disapp- I was so disappointed that one of my neighbors couldn't be a part of it because mm-hmm. of scheduling. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know what? We have a prayer group. That's another group that's praying for each individual. She said, I just started praying. Not too long after that, she heard from that gal, and her schedule got changed. So oh, now she can be a part of the Rudy group. Awesome. And you're just going, that's just one story. Right. right. And we have a whole uh, group of stories. I'm so proud of the uh, kids community team who put together curriculum specifically for parents to be able to do it with their mm-hmm. kids. We have middle school groups. We have high school groups. So it's, it's really hitting all of our groups. And it's just a matter of... Of, I think Justin, you said sitting back and watching what God is doing. Yeah, because it's truly amazing. He yeah. is a powerful God, and we're assuming He's doing powerful things. So it's it's pretty pretty exciting. We have new leaders. Mm-hmm. We have new people that have never been in a group that are jumping in. So it's it's pretty it's fun. Yeah, like you said earlier, I hope it's uh, I hope we look back on this moment and see it as a pivot point. We did for Bless 10. That changed things yep. dramatically. Yep. You're right. I'd love to be able to look back on this and say, yep, this was one of the things that that empowered and gave confidence to those that are in the trenches that have been praying for friends to be able to step them into some um, into the depth of scripture and what yep. it is to what it is to be a Christian. I think maybe one of the things I appreciate uh, the most about Rooted is it wastes no time in uh, putting the value of of the mission that we're called into on display. It takes serving well and loving well very seriously. And what's cool is, uh, because these are core things to what it it means to exercise our faith and to follow Jesus, um, it's just as appropriate for someone who's been walking with Jesus a long time, as it is with the person who's reading about these truths for the first time. Mm-hmm. And you can do that together in community, which, and Gary, you know this, you've seen it happen time and time again throughout the course of your ministry, not just here at Vista, but previous to Vista, life transformation happens in the context mm-hmm. of the people of God coming together yeah. and, and wrestling through these truths, wrestling through these uh, declarations of identity over us and realizing this isn't it it is for me but it's not about me Hmm. it's something that's supposed to flow through me which is why the mission the actual purpose of the Christian identity is put on display Uh, Justin you and I were talking a while back and and to me it's a and Mike you were just speaking to this it's a profound thing that it's it's the gospel is demonstrated by the handing over of this diaper. And there's a parent who puts this diaper on their child. And there's this whole story of, of God's love flowing and through this mm-hmm. really tangible expression of things. And, and it's so fascinating. In, in the cultural climate that we're in right now, which is so polarized, so riddled with conflict and tension and anger and hatred, this seemingly easily dismissed thing, a diaper being handed to a parent that's going to be put on their child, it cuts right through the rhetoric. It cuts right through all the tension, the hate, the dialogue, the politics, you name it, because it's this really tangible expression of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And and that's what, I mean, when you say uh, we've been helpful, I agree. If anything, 
because we have the desire sincerely to be helpful. You know, people can always use a measuring stick to say whether or not you're really helpful, not so helpful. No, but it, it's like you're a good parent if you are trying to be. You know, it's the same principle. Yeah. The bad parents think they're great. You know what I mean? Yeah. We don't think we're so great. Yeah. And, and we know other people here in the city that they don't sit there and say, put the spotlight on me. Every opportunity to put, yeah. to put Jesus, King yeah. Jesus, on display. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's just such a privilege to be able to participate in this. And I know that there's so many people in this community that, that feel the same way. Yeah. So what parts of the set week two, the week two chapter content should we help people with? They're going to dig into it in the coming week. Yeah, we don't I, need to necessarily cover the content. They're going to do that. But like, what, what, do, what do you feel like they need to know well, I, coming into it? How would you this is do? my passion, so I'm going to share it. Do um, it. And I think it's week two. He's talking about creation. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can see his heart for community in creation. I mean, you can back up and you say, okay, is there a relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit? There's a relationship Absolutely. there. And then he goes through creation and he gets to man and he says, and he created man. And everything else he said, this is good. He said, this is not good. And you go, what do you mean it's not good? What's the problem? And, he, and then he created woman. And he said, because I've created community. I've created relationship. Yeah. And you made a comment, uh, community is the reflection of God's heart. It is. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at X2, it's a community coming together. Mm-hmm. You look at the 50-some one-anotherings in the New Testament, it's help one another, love one another, care for one another. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 mm-hmm. says, and let us stir up one another, not neglecting to meet together. And that is a problem in the pandemic because people sometimes go, I don't want to be near anybody. I don't want to be together. That's why as crazy as Zoom gets, it's great to have it. I mean, I was on a Zoom call Sunday with my extended family that we never get together but once or twice in 10 years. And they're saying, this was so good. Can we do it next month? Yeah, right. So... The, the point is, and it, it starts right at creation, it's the heart of God yeah. that he has created each one of us yeah. for community. We are not good by ourselves. We need help. We're yeah. not that sharp. Yeah. <laughs> we need different gifts to speak into our lives so that we can better understand who yeah. God is. Yeah, it's always been a challenging part of Christianity for me about who Jesus is and who God is, is that he is far more concerned about presence and relationship than he is about progress or productivity. Mm. Like, I, I tend to feel good if I've been productive for God, right. if I've produced something. But God has forever mm-hmm. been concerned about being with and having his family love one another. That this, this is, the, in many ways, the end point of it, is that there is this togetherness that is of great value. Yeah, there's something right, and, and I think the world has captured some of this, but it resonates. So you think of the Cheers theme song, you know, yeah. come to a place where everyone knows your name and you're going, I want people to know me. Yeah. And I yeah. was, uh, Pastor Tammy came in and she says, what are you doing, Gary? And I was just listening to 
Johann Strauss's orchestra, and they were doing You Will Never Walk Alone. And they were singing it, and it was amazing. And she said, look at that. And there were people tears just coming down. Because nobody wants to walk alone. We're created for community. That's the way God designed us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If we could actually look at uh, one of the questions that all the groups will be walking through. It's actually the first of the summary questions for week two about who is God. Um, I hear all these pieces and parts that contribute to how you might respond to this question, but um, how has your perspective of God changed over time? I mean, this, if you sit and think about it for a moment, this is an enormous question. Yeah, it, it reveals... let's let Justin answer it. <laughs> yeah, so Justin, I was just uh, wondering what you were thinking yeah. about that, that You mean question. today? Or... <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's not a bad response. You mean right now, today, right. how I feel about it? Well, even as, uh, as you two were just uh, talking, I was thinking about some of the ways that we know who God is, some of the ways he identifies himself. And uh, in light of the fact that we want to be, uh, we want to feel productive uh, and, and feel like that gets us uh, some greater knowledge of who God is. Mm-hmm. It just makes us more productive or busy, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but these, these ways that God identifies himself as I am, or Prince of Peace, or uh, the Provider, takes us out of the, the space of having to be God for ourselves. Like, we can be productive, uh, but God's saying, no, I'm the Provider. Yeah. Uh, and so I think, uh, and what he wants back to what you were saying, uh, this is why I brought this up, I just remembered, um, <laughs> is he's always been about presence, about being present uh, with his people, his people being present with him. Yeah. Um, so, your question, what was your question? It, how, has how has it changed? How has it changed? Yeah. yeah. Well, the, simple answer is the more time you spend with God in his presence, the more you get to know God. And so it, it's going to change every time that, to some degree, that mm. you're in his presence. And mm. I think, uh, so it just, it takes time. Mm-hmm. But God being who he is and his infinite, all of, all of his infiniteness, uh, I think it, it's just a, a matter of Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's because of life circumstance or whatever it is that you go, okay, uh, I'm me. This is what's going on in my life. God, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Where are you? Where are you? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a, a question that's just kind of come into, uh, I, I heard it just a couple weeks ago, uh, a worship leader talking about uh, trying to pursue God's presence. And, and one of the questions he, he asks, and it's a, very simple question that I, I, I'm trying to adopt uh, for this year in particular is, okay, God, what do you want to do next? And, and if we ask that question every single day, what do you want to do today? It sort of it goes right back to uh, that the church was organic. When, when If Jesus is in us and, and we're moving through our lives and all we have to do is, okay, 
where next or, mm-hmm. or what do you want to do next mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's not all that complicated but it is it does take us uh, intentionally asking the question and then listening yeah and then and looking for okay where do you want me to go God or, or what are you doing over there or who who am I supposed to interact with in, in this way or whatever um, and that changes our perspective on who God is uh, every time it, to this bloom thing has been like I get really excited about the ways we, we've been able to provide things for different people and, and the what how it's growing but it's been really challenging for me personally because uh, I'm having to trust God <laughs> I'm, have mm-hmm. to, I'm having to pursue his presence and his wisdom and uh, understanding of scripture uh, in new ways just so it can administer the blessings that he's giving us to administer. Yeah. yeah. Um, when something's expanding like that, beyond your own yeah. capacity, when the needs are suddenly thrown in your face that are hundreds of times more than what you can provide, even if you've been able to provide a lot more than anybody else, right. the needs are always going to outweigh. You always find yourself in this weird space of, I can't solve this. Right. I can't control it. I can't manage it. I can't guarantee anything. Right. And now you find yourself having to trust God in ways that you haven't before. You yeah. just when you just can't get your arms around it is a great thing. Yeah. But it's the worst feeling. <laughs> right. Let, let's actually talk a little bit more about that. I mean, I heard you say, Where are you, God? Where yeah. are you? Yeah. Um, and myself included. Uh, everybody I know has asked that question, where are you? And has re-asked that question mm, sure. and re-asked that question. You know, b- because you're, you're putting that, uh, because you put that out there and you also talked about being in the presence of God takes time. Mm-hmm. You know, you, when, you, when you ask that question, um, if, if I were to ask you that question now, you know, where's God in this? How would you unpack that question in relation to what you just said about time and presence with the Lord? What you've learned about answering that question in your own heart? If I understand your question correctly. Um, ask it one more time. Where is God? Where is God? How do, how do you... It, why, why do you ask that question? Because I know it comes up. Where are you? Yeah, I what think we, I think we ask that question just when God is more silent. Because, uh, and there are certainly times when we can walk away. We can be more distant from God, either through disobedience or... Um, yeah, mostly just through disobedience. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Because a lot of people are asking that question. They've well, that's been asking that question. yeah, yeah. Or, or, or you can look around. We ask that question a lot when it comes to circumstances of the world around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, why aren't you answering this prayer this way? It seems like this would be good if you did it this way, God. Um, why didn't you intervene? Why right. didn't you change that? Why are you letting this go? Why aren't you? Right. How could that where, have happened? Where are you? What's your answer to that, Gary? Well. In looking at that question, how has your perspective of God changed over time? I became a Christian when I was eight years old. And I'd love to say that I moved out of this first phase 
quickly, I didn't. And the first phase was this. God, what can you do for me? It was Gary the consumer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In other words, can you do this? And even in our prayer lives, we go, hey, God, why don't you move faster? Well, that's really up to God, not us. Yeah. Right. You know. Um, so that was my first phase of being the consumer. I probably stole this from somebody because I usually do. But <laughs> Everybody does. Then Gary, the not second phase was more, maybe that's not the right approach. Maybe you should just spend more time in prayer praising and thanking God. Yeah. And so I did. And, and that was good. And my requests were less at that point. Doesn't mean that requests aren't important, but they were less. The phase I'm in now is I'm, I'm just in awe. Hmm. Uh, I, hmm. In Isaiah 55, it says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Hmm. And so I've kind of taken the, math, the way of just saying, okay, God, Gary, let's start there. You're mm-hmm. probably not in the right camp. So let's just listen. <laughs> let's just listen. Yeah. Because I'm probably starting in the wrong place, mm-hmm. and I need to get readjusted with the Spirit to get me in the right place, because I'm not thinking the right way, and so I need to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, a practical application of this is that we've all said this, you are God and I am not. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're trying to figure out God's will. Here's how I think we should do it. God, you have a blank sheet of paper. Not, hey, God, here's the three options I want you to pick. <laughs> right, right, right. You know? Because we tend to think that we... I don't want to pigeonhole you into That's one exactly thing. Right. I'm going to so give you three options. <laughs> there you go. See, then we're trying to be Gary the consumer and manipulate God. Right? Yeah. And that doesn't validate, hey, God, you are God right. and I'm not. So let's start there. This, is, this is hands down maybe one of the most influential pieces of, of our relationship, at least what I've, I've taken from you or received from you, is, is I mean, you're a, you're a been there, done that guy, in my opinion. So many things that we're engaged with, in one level or, or another, you've been there and you've done that. You've, you've seen the whole story play out. And yet you still have this humble, mm-hmm. learning posture before the Lord. And at some point... I realized, wait a second, I'm not as smart as I think I am. <laughs> I don't have uh, the answers that I think I do because I observe you learning and relearning and following God. I think and, that's true Christianity, yeah, right? right? Like, like he said, you've walked this around this block a few times. I'm, I'm only 55, but I'm already resonating with what I've heard from the wisdom of those that have walked before me that say, you don't get more figured out Mm-mm. as you get older. You get less figured out yeah, when it comes to it's God. It's the opposite. You it's the less. opposite. And that's the way I felt when I, he said, what's your perspective change over time? I know him less today in one sense mm-hmm. than, yeah. I did, than what I thought I did when I was younger. I just thank God for Jesus because I kind of know Jesus. Like I can read about him. And, and it's, you know, but God, like when you say God, how is your spirit? I think which part of God? You're talking about the God the Father? God the Son, God the Spirit, because God the Father, I don't, I don't get that. Like yeah, there's two. Like it's, it almost feels intellectually dishonest in my own mind to think that I have any aspect of God the Father figured out at all. 
It just seems like, okay, God, I, I just honor you. I'm, I bow to you. I, I, I don't even want to try to pretend to think I know God, but I'm so thankful that I can see God mm-hmm. and know him through Jesus. Like that, the whole idea of Jesus coming in the flesh Incredibly good idea. You know, very, very, very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then to have the spirit of God to 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 affirm and and sort of beyond intellect go this yes, this is God, which I see mm-hmm. normally through human inner like when you see actual love, when you see actual sacrifice, and the spirit of God goes, That's me. You want to know me? Mm-hmm. That's me. Mercy, compassion. Um, but over time, I, I feel less and less. In one sense, I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm not trying to complicate the gospel here. I feel less and less worthy. In one sense, mm-hmm. less and less knowledgeable. Less and less, you know, confident about God. It's chi- it comes more childlike almost. Yeah, I used to be really smart, yeah. and I don't know anything anymore. Yeah. Well, I think it, I think what you're both pointing to, uh, and you're saying it without saying it, is that your your faith is becoming more childlike. But the thing about time and uh, pursuing God is that you may not know, you may feel like you know less and less, but actually yeah. you're stacking your faith on yeah. previous mm-hmm. faith steps. Yeah. Mm-hmm your faith might feel more childlike because you're like, I don't, I don't understand this and I felt like I used to 10 years yeah, ago and right. now I know more of God and so I don't understand this because of his infinite wisdom mm-hmm. or infinite majesty or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's the change of perspective has come be- yeah. because you're like, okay, I still know you're God uh-huh. and I know that I'm less and less God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more convinced of God right. and less certain about, you know, in, in a certain sense, right. I'm less certain about, um, or, or, or less confident about how well I know him. It's, a, it's, yeah. it's, too, it's too vast. You can, you can pray the same prayer, and God can give you a different answer. So sure. don't try to say, okay, I got this one. Right. Uh, you know, this is the way he's going to answer it, because in different situations or different contexts or different times, he may answer it differently. Yeah. Still mm-hmm. his will. Mm-hmm. But so don't think that you've got it all put together. Yeah. Yeah, because I think what he wants is for us to pursue his presence in faith. Uh, yeah, we see it in Jesus when it, Jesus is performing all sorts of miracles, and rarely did he do it the same way twice. Right. It's Psalm 139 Such knowledge mm. is too wonderful for me, mm-hmm. too lofty for me to attain. You know, this whole idea. And you look at Job when God finally says, all right, sit down. Right. <laughs> yeah. You've, you just shut up and listen. And then and, and he just brings the, you know, it's like Job's like, oh, I know, I forgot. Yes, you, you are in and Job, charge of And Job was in the situation he was because he had great faith. Yes, and even that, you know, he was, he didn't. And he still didn't know God uh, the at the beginning mm-hmm. of that book. Like you did at yeah, the end. Yeah. You just uh, you just gave me chills because uh, you brought up Psalm one thirty nine. Um, 
Early in, in my walk with Christ, um, Proverbs 1-7, um, uh, the beginning of, a fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Fools despise wisdom and mm-hmm. discipline. Mm-hmm. And I uh, immediately resonate with that because I'm like, I, I'm so much a I can fool. see how I fit into that yeah. thing. Yeah. I can I'm, see I'm so much a fool, I don't want to admit I'm a fool, right? Uh, but this is, this is the weird thing about when uh, I first came to Psalm 139. It, it's strange to say this, but it's, it's the first time I can recall that hmm. I realized God is real. He's really real. Mm-hmm. And he knows me. He mm-hmm. knit me together in mm-hmm. my mother's womb. Mm-hmm. There's no place that I can go where he does not see me. Mm-hmm. There's no place I can go where he is not with me. And the reality of that has been unfolding over time. Yeah. And, and it's what's, what's so interesting to me, and we're all expressing it, is the unfolding nature of God increasingly just chips away at our arrogance in thinking we know who he is because yeah. he keeps revealing yeah you still got it wrong if you're still postured properly though see it, yeah. if, I, if I'm going to give yeah. you God, just give you credit I was going to give myself credit I'll just give you credit we'll give Gary all the credit oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you get to the stage of a greater awesome a sense of awe before God because you've allowed God to humble you over time if, you, if you're not really in that posture you won't ever fully experience that. If you're fighting it, if you're like, it's just about me, if you're it's a consumer, you, if you stay in that consumer space, you don't ever get that full awesome. That's what happened mm-hmm. with Job. You know, he was broken mm-hmm. and broken and broken. And he didn't allow it to cause him to be hard and bitter, but yeah. to be softer toward God. I, I feel like when, when, when people engage this study, if they're not a Christian, if those folks that are looking at this, watching this, and, and sort of working this over for the first time, you do eventually have to, don't you? Maybe I should make this a question. Don't you eventually have to determine whether you're going to take on a God-centric view of all things or not? Yeah, I totally right? agree. Right? You, you, is, is, God, is there a God? Is he the center? Because it, it takes as much faith to take that track as it does to take the track that, that, he, that there isn't one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's, but to go this way, the crux of it is you have to humble yourself. If God is at the center, then I'm not. Every other mm-hmm. option you have puts me at the center. But at some point when you go, okay, I'm going to go with you know, it'll, it'll talk about, any good study on God will talk about the very first four words of the Bible, you know, in the beginning, God. Mm-hmm. It's not like there's no proof for that there. There's no, it's just like, <laughs> in the beginning, God, okay? So are we all on the same page? Yeah. <laughs> if you're not there, right. you never do arrive at, a, at a, any, any depth of understanding of who he is, any sense of his presence. You have to, at some point, step into the space and go, I'm going to enter, at least entertain the idea mm-hmm. that there is a God and he's at the center of all things. When you do that, I don't know of any other worldview that puts the whole world uh, into an explanation even. Mm. 
Like from a God-centered point, everything begins to make sense. Even the stuff that you wish God would fix Mm -hmm. makes sense. Even human interactions, the way people are, the way we get sick, the way we get sideways, the way our heart blows out. You know, it's like the God-centric view. And that's that's my prayer for the rooted study is that, that people maybe even if you've been there before or have not been there before, remember God. Because then, then you do find your way to, to Jesus. I've always been one that said, okay, evangelism doesn't actually start with Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's got to start with God and this growing sense of how do I connect with God? Mm-hmm. How, do I, how do I, if he's perfect and holy and good, what? Uh, you have to be sort of swinging in the noose at some point before Jesus makes any sense to you at all. So I love that, it, that this is where, where it starts. It should, this God-centric reality draws you in. It's like Isaiah 6 is the perfect mm-hmm. example. Like his whole transformation starts with his, his earthly king dies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The one that gave him top cover, provision, mm-hmm. gave him what he wanted, security, economy, all that. That king dies. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, but then he sees beyond that king, is obs- sees, the, sees God. Yeah. And then it all starts to fall in place. Oh, I, I bow. Mm-hmm. I humble myself. I suddenly see that I'm unclean. Mm-hmm. It all falls into place. Yeah. But without that, Without chapter two and rooted. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I now I, I imagine in any group there there will be people that really take this dialogue and and it becomes something profound for them. And then, you know, there's there's folks all along the spectrum. There are some folks that that will will engage this uh, material and um, move past it. You know, week two is behind me. I'm on to week three. You know, it's behind you. Um, but I would argue that that this question of who is God, um, and 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 what we've each expressed about by by piece by piece learning more about who God is has revealed more and more about who we are and mm-hmm. shouldn't be in a way. Mm-hmm. It's so contrary to so much of what's going on in our culture mm-hmm. and society, where in one way or another, people are saying, God is for this and not that, and you see people warring against people. And I'm not saying any of that to, de- to devalue uh, some of the cries and the anguish in the midst of this conflict. Mm-hmm. But one of these things, you know, you, you wrestle with this reality of who God is, and then you realize that, that God isn't taking sides as we would want him to. Right. Mm-hmm. And we realize that it's not a question of sides. It, it's a question of this great I am who declares who I am in relation to who he is. Well, it's, I think it's no different than Thomas saying where, which way is, which is the way. Right. It, you, could, you could put that in our vernacular. It would be which side of this argument is right, God? Mm-hmm. Which which is the, which is the which is the way? And the answer is the same. It's like, no, I'm the way. I'm the mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. I'm the right answer. Well, yeah, but which one? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Right here, yep. you, me, working this working this out. I I am the way. 
your ways and your ideas and your solutions and what you find important and what you find unimportant, what you find wrong, all that stuff's going to be going on in the world. Mm -hmm. It is. I I am the way. I am your answer. And discovering even what that means Mm -hmm. is of greater, should be of greater incentive than anything else in the world. That's the part that worries me is when Christians have elevated the thing that's valuable, valued in their life or important in their life or painful in their life, mm-hmm. that is more important than the discovery of who Jesus is and the impact that it needs to make on me and who I need to become. When it's about sort of co-opting Jesus for my thing. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the things are important. That's not, this isn't like nothing's mm-hmm. important. Right. It's when it when it's elevated above the importance of Jesus and hearing from him, being immersed in scripture, prayer, mm-hmm. finding our way into the presence of God again before we try to live out in this world is, an, is a pathway wrought with problems. We, we end up fighting each other. Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons why I appreciate this study is um, you have plenty of opportunities to wrestle with God, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's just the question of who is God, uh, and in later weeks you'll look at, you'll have an opportunity to serve and actually participate in mission. You'll have an opportunity to pray together. You'll have an mm-hmm. opportunity to actually consider that there is a spiritual enemy in this world and really wrestle with our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against these demonic powers, these spiritual powers behind the scene. Yeah. You know, and we also have an opportunity for generosity and celebration. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, if anybody's experience has been like my experience with this, I, I have to wrestle with the question of, why don't I want to do that? There's going to be something. If you're willing to engage this study, if you're willing to engage these foundational truths of who God is and who we're supposed to be in, in relation to him, you're going to be confronted with something in the midst of the study that you just don't want to do. And, and Paul's, Paul calls us out all the time. He's like, in all things, be thankful. In mm-hmm. all things, practice, have a heart of gratitude. That's my paraphrase. In all things, really? <laughs> this thing that's happening, that thing that happened, that thing I just saw, my response in relation to God is thankfulness. This thing I don't want to do that I just read about, that I'm, I'm, I'm hearing I'm, I'm supposed to value, I'm supposed to be, well... Maybe I need to redefine what thankfulness is. What good is. What good mm-hmm. is. Our definitions yeah. are suspect. Yeah. You know, th- uh, this, this year has revealed, or this past year, I should say, has revealed a lot of things of, I thought this was true. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, what is true? Yeah. And we've got to go back to God with this. Yeah. We have to allow the voice of the Holy Spirit to minister yeah. to us in those spaces. Yeah. Because we're too eager to go to a camp. And it's a human camp. Yeah. You know, we have to be very careful and wary of that. Mm. So I would, I would even say, even what we're saying, take it back to Scripture. Take it back to God and test it. Don't just take our words for it. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're just as uh, broken and flailing as, as anybody else, yeah. you know? So that's my hope. That's my prayer for, for folks that are engaging in this space. And I also want people who aren't engaging in this space to feel the weight of, wait a second, Maybe I'm missing out on something <laughs> yeah. pretty darn important. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's always going to be a second chance. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Are you leaning toward wrapping up? Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're over an hour for sure. Yeah. I think we have plenty of food for thought here. Yeah. Um, Anything, Gary, on your mind that you wanted to say you didn't get to say today? 
I really appreciate all the work you're doing on the root I study. Just, yep. I think it's interesting. Day one of the second week is called the mysterious God. There you go. And that really captures it. It's mysterious, and we're not going to get it all. We just need to keep leaning in and, and being that disciple, which means learner, mm-hmm. which means being open, being receptive, and trying to hear the Spirit helping us to figure out yeah. you know, how to do life yeah. with Him. Uh, I wouldn't mind going around just giving you all a, get your upshot here, but... When I think about all that's going on in the world around us, my prayer is that people would find their way back to God. Mm -hmm. What I see in the world around me is a lot of fear, a lot of um, selfishness, but not like a little kid selfish. It's like, it's selfish fear type selfish where I'm losing what I had or I'm afraid of losing what I have, which is... um, Things that are of great importance. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would say even even when we're fearing the loss of things that maybe everyone would agree that are good and right, that fear isn't any better than any other fear. We have got to find our way back to peace and faith and a lack of fear and a confidence in a sovereign God or we are going to tear each other to shreds like we're seeing. Mm -hmm. There's no other alternative. This has exposed what maybe decades of gravitating away from God in this country Mm -hmm. has gotten us. Is a lot of people that are fearful. Mm -hmm. Grappling for, like what, what happens when someone's drowning and you go try to help them? They'll, they'll, they, will mer- they will take you out. They will scrap, scratch your eyes out and drown you <laughs> trying to save themselves. And that's the way I see the world is everyone's trying to save themselves for good reason. They are drowning. They're not holding on to God. They're holding on to stuff that's, that's, that's crumbling in their hands or slipping out of their grip. And we're beating each other up to try to keep from, yeah. to keep from drowning. It's scary. It's legitimately scary for people. The world looks to me like a lot of people that were cornered. They've been cornered, and they are lashing out. Mm-hmm. And I think you're, you're, we're scared. People are afraid. They need the peace of God. They need some better foundation, some footing. Or I don't blame them for the kinds of... I do it myself mm-hmm. in life. Corner me. <laughs> I'm gonna rise up. I'm gonna rise. Like I'm bigger than you. Tony. Do not corner me. You know, I learned that as a small kid. You know, I, I you, just, you just try to make yourself look bigger. You know, take my candy. I'm worried. I'm worried about the world, and yet God seen a lot worse. Right. So I've got it, and I feel like I feel like what God's saying is. I need you, church. I need you. I need you to be right with me. Mm-hmm. I need you to trust me. Mm-hmm. I need you to lay down your life. I need you to be at peace. I can't have you freaking out. I need you. Come close yeah. and let's go. Yeah, you've, you've talked about that abide, abide in me. Mm-hmm. And you just talked about 
our normal response typically is fight or flight. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the lesson, right? If mm -hmm. you feel like fighting, if you feel like fleeing, abide. Yeah, find him again. Get closer. Immerse yourself in scripture. Pray a lot more. It's hard for people. It's like our minds are going a million miles an hour. It's like, okay, pray. Okay, what next? You know, it's like, <laughs> find a way to just, <clears throat> but he did rest. Something, you can feel something lacking deep within our, in our heart. And I know for me, my reaction, I've been saying it for three or four days. You guys have heard me. In every context you've been, what am I saying? <laughs> the church is asking me what to do. I have to tell the church what to do. I'm, I'm like almost nutty about, okay, my podcast. Okay, give them something to do. Give them something to do. And, I, and I'm starting to realize, no, no, no. That's you again thinking you got to do something and everybody else has to do something. And a lot of what we have to do is not do anything and rest again. Trust. There's plenty to do, but you can't. I think Adam said it a few weeks ago. If you're moving into the world, you're doing stuff, but you haven't heard from the Spirit of God yet, it's wrong. Hmm. If you're not walking with the Spirit, if you're not hearing from Him, you can't live a Christian life. It's a dynamic life. It's not like, mm. He said it this time, it's a calculation, now you go do it. It's like, no, you're walking with the Spirit yeah. and hearing from Him and, and in constant prayer, or you're not living a Christian life. That's not a Jesus life. It's figuring out what He would do and then going and do it. It's like cooperative walking with the Spirit, in prayer, all the time, that is the Christian life. Nobody's comfortable with that. Right. It's like, give me the equation, tell me what to do, and then I'll go do it. This idea of abiding is not as predominant as it needs to be, and I'm, you know, I'm chief among sinners. Boy, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to find stuff I can do. <laughs> Fix stuff, you know. <laughs> Finish things, <laughs> doing the dishes. Look, the dishes are all done, honey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why don't you eat something so I can do them again? <laughs> yeah. uh, we got to, the peace of God, we got to, as a church, yep. love one another in the midst of it all. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good last thought. Okay. Thanks for being with us. We couldn't be more happier about... Um, how the church is seeking God more, yeah. how many of you are jumping into the study. This is a great thing. Love one another well through it. Expect there to be differences. Mm -hmm. uh, love one another in the midst of it. Finish every study, every conversation with a brother or sister in Christ with, I love you, I respect you, um, I'm learning, right? Get closer to God. This is, this is a great moment in the, in the life of our church, and um, I'm proud and to be a part of it. Um, uh, keep the dialogue going. Um, we're in this thing together. Love you, church. See you next time.